Ours was the first revolution in the history of mankind that truly reversed the course of government and with three little words, we the people. We the people tell the government what to do. It doesn't tell us. We the people are the driver. The government is the car. And we decide where it should go and by what route and how fast. Almost all the world's constitutions are documents in which governments tell the people what their privileges are. Our constitution is a document in which we the people tell the government what it is allowed to do. We the people are free. There's a clear cause and effect here that is as neat and predictable as a law of physics. As government expands, liberty contracts. Welcome to today's broadcast of Tap Into the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever so humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you from historic Roan County, Tennessee. And I'm really having to lean heavily on the mostly peaceful things these days. As you know, we, we good 
fellow American who may be slightly right of center or possibly even dead center, maybe even only just slightly left of center. Uh, if you are somebody that identifies into that category and you are a fellow American, then you too may be unknowingly, unwittingly a Super King Kamehameha Super King Maga Republican. You know, even if you're not even a Republican. Uh, it's possible, at least according to the very loose and ever-changing definition that we keep getting. Uh, if you thought Donald Trump might have been right once, at any point in time, you may be a MAGA Republican. If you thought the idea of moving the U.S. Embassy to Israel to Jerusalem, since that's its capital, was a good idea. You may be a MAGA Republican. If you possibly considered at any point in time the legitimate argument that, um, you know, maybe, maybe abortion should be a state's issue, since there's no mention of it in the U.S. Constitution, so the federal government clearly has no power or authority over it whatsoever, then you may also be a mega King Kamehameha MAGA Republican, even though, again, you may not be a Republican at all. It's crazy. So you, I, anyone that even loosely fits the definition of somebody who once upon a time thought about watching uh, The Apprentice, you know, if, if you fall into those categories, we are all enemies of the state, according to Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. And in other very delusional news, he's celebrating uh, the news that the economy is, you know, not doing what it should be, question mark, because clearly with the administration and other lefties around the world doubling, tripling, quadrupling down on the same policies that are literally falling away under their feet, it does lead one to wonder if it is not intentional. Now, I know, I know we've had this conversation before, and there are several things that I come down on firmly stating that there is no such thing as unintended consequences anymore. I just don't believe it. And while I would still prefer to live in a world where I could assign incompetence to bad policy decisions ahead of malice, it's getting harder and harder to make that assessment. I mean, what else has to happen before we realize that this is the plan? Inflation is not the bug. It is the feature. It is the idea. If they can finish collapsing our economy, we'll have no choice but to adopt a different kind of economy. We'll if we have cash that is completely worthless, we'll have to move to their programmable digital version. If we have an economy where we simply don't have reasonably affordable, reliable energy sources, we'll have no choice but to accept their ridiculously unreliable and overpriced energy sources. That is the plan. Speaking about today's news, today, of course, being Tuesday, 
September 13th, 2022, time of the live broadcast, just for those of you that are listening on terrestrial radio, that of course it's being rebroadcast on a different day, or if you're a couple of days behind for your podcast listening. Former Treasury Secretary and National Economic Council Director Lawrence Summers was making headlines again today. He's already come out very strongly advising against the Biden economic policies. He has stated, plain and simple, that inflation is a problem that is not being properly addressed by this administration. If, if by properly addressed, you mean an attempt to stop it or at least slow it, you know, an attempt to salvage the economy and help millions upon millions of hardworking Americans make their dollars go a little further instead of becoming completely worthless, uh, then yes, it's going in the wrong direction. Summers, again today, uh, was out there warning that the United States still has a serious, and I'm quoting him here now, serious inflation problem. That's not exactly a newsflash at this point, I would hope, but for the lefties out there that don't get it, this is one of Obama's guys. He was telling you the truth on this one. The Consumer Price Index, the CPI, uh, that news came out today, early today. I'm sure you've heard plenty about it by now, but just in case you somehow missed it, 8.3%. An 8.3% rise in the CPI between August of 2021 and August of 2022. That's, of course, according to a report released on Tuesday by the Bureau of Labor Statistics. The reading marks a decline from the 8.5% year-over-year rate seen in July and the 9.1% year-over-year rate seen back in June as gasoline prices continue to trickle down. Uh, wasn't it Joe Biden who said he's tired of trickle-down economics? Uh, well, the gas prices are trickling down at the moment and don't count on them to stay down. But at the moment, uh, they are still creeping down ever so slowly. Still has nearly $2 to go to try to get down close to what it was when he took office. But, uh, you know, I guess a little progress is better than nothing. And too bad we're not going to be able to claim it for long. So month-over-month -month prices for food, shelter, and medical services continue to tick upwards, by the way. Uh, also things that are hitting most Americans directly in the face every single day. Indeed, core inflation, you know, the price level increase for all items except for food and energy, even it rose by a mere 0.6% in August, making a faster rate of increase than in July and producing a 6.3% year-over-year rate, which you know, we, we do have to talk about the monthly rates now because last month Biden, in an effort to try and trick you into thinking that there was zero inflation for one month, uh, trying to make it sound like things were going well, well he's now introduced the monthly uh, totals as something we'll look at now. Uh, I will not uh, on any significant level, except, of course, to throw it in their face if, once again, Biden's trying to use it, and then even the monthly numbers don't play well for him. After all, if you decide that you have to play tricks to try and make your numbers sound decent, if your trick doesn't work for you anymore, 
everybody should be able to see, see what's up your magician's sleeve. Otherwise, I'm just going to tell you that, for the most part, it's an illegitimate statistic. It's not something that's typically looked at anywhere. The year-over-the-year -year stuff is what's normally looked at. Anyway, like I said, in August, it went up by 0.6%, which, that doesn't sound like a whole lot until you realize it is only for one month. And, uh, by the way, analysis uh, basically had us looking at that particular measure only being about 0.3%. So it was twice what all the analysts had expected. Quoting here from Mr. Summers, uh, this was on social media, by the way, core inflation is higher this month than for the quarter. Higher this quarter than last quarter. Higher this half of the year than the previous one, and higher last year than the previous one. Uh, translation, uh, for those of you that aren't quite following, you know, that's in case the lefty's listening. It's still getting worse by every potential and possible metric. You had a a slight hiccup where it didn't budge hardly at all for August. But again, keeping in mind, part of the reason why that happens is because it's already incredibly high based on where it was right before Joe Biden took office. Just, you know, in case you're needing a reminder. Of course, Summers remarked that median inflation, the alternative metric of core inflation favored by those who once said inflation was transitory, that median, well, that rose to its highest ever reading. Indeed, median inflation rose to 6.3% in July of 2022 to 6.7% in August of 2022. This you know, in case you're wondering, I'm not just sitting here making up numbers. This is according to data from the Federal Reserve Bank of Cleveland, uh, typically who is looked at for this particular data set. Among other officials, Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell and Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen once argued that rising price levels were a temporary result of Demand increases that followed widespread government lockdowns. You guys remember that? Yellen admitted earlier this year, however, that uh, she was incorrect about transitory inflation. So they've admitted to it. Why are we still listening to them? They've already acknowledged that they got it wrong, but we're still supposed to believe them when they keep crying wolf in the exact same fashion. Yellen, in an interview with CNN, said, quote, I think I was wrong then about the path that inflation would take. As I mentioned, there have been unanticipated and large shocks to the economy that have boosted energy and food prices and supply bottlenecks that have affected our economy. But we recognize that now, and yet you continue to do nothing to correct the problem. Nothing to connect, correct the problem. How is that? How do we find ourselves in a situation, boys and girls, 
where the people that are supposed to be the experts, that are supposed to be able to fix this, have no idea. We recognize that now, and you continue to do the wrong things to correct it. And worse of all, despite the poor news, the bad news, the bad, bad, super, very bad day inflation news, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. claimed victory. He claimed victory in the, quote, essentially flat headline figures. Quoting here, it will take more time to resolve, I'm sorry, it will take more time and resolve to bring inflation down, which is why we passed the Inflation Reduction Act to lower the cost of health care, prescription drugs, and energy, which I would remind you, it does absolutely none of those things. None, zip, nada, at all. It does not. I know some Democrats are arguing, oh, well, it's letting uh, Medicare negotiate six drugs. They have to choose which ones. And they don't even get to start doing that for another couple of years. So, no, it does nothing for health care. It does nothing for prescription drugs. And it actually continues to make energy worse because it's just wasted taxpayer dollars to go work at the green energy plant. He continued in his little victory statement, Yay, yay, yay for us, we did the Inflation Reduction Act. He continued saying, quote, And my economic plan is showing that as we bring prices down, we're creating good-paying jobs and bringing manufacturing back to America. Where? How? When? What are you talking about, Joe? Are you talking about your CHIPS Act, which actually does nothing to keep those jobs in the United States for very long at all? Are you talking about the corporate giveaway that just so happens to be your cronies, your little corporate buddies, your little union bosses that are still having a hard time continuing to support you because you won't close the southern border, but who still believes you when you say you want to be the most pro-union president ever? How about you just try being pro-American for a few months and see if we can't get things back on track before you start trying to divert uh, money to the union bosses? How about How about we get energy prices down by becoming energy independent again? How about we become a net exporter of energy so we can help our European allies before Russia freezes them to death? Winter is coming, Jon Snow. Winter is coming fast for our European allies. Not to mention the Ukrainian people who are continuing to suffer because you keep doing just enough to supposedly help to keep them in a fight that at this point has become cruel and inhumane to allow to continue. You won't take the steps necessary to stop Russia. You won't take the steps necessary to help Ukraine. All you're doing is laundering U.S. taxpayer cash into somebody else's pocket. And I, for one, am tired of it. I don't know how many of you are, but if you are, let your Congress people know. Granted, that should come with a warning. Here's a disclaimer. It's entirely possible letting them know may bring the FBI knocking on your door because now all of a sudden you too are a MAGA Republican. Even if you're a Democrat who's just tired of having your taxpayer dollars 
go to another country when they won't even take care of the people that are here now. But hey, Joe, you know, keep celebrating. Keep talking about your legislative victories, even if it is more stuff that's just going to continue to destroy our economy and continue to superheat the inflation cycle. Why not? I mean, let's go, Brandon. Let's go. Meanwhile, once again, Mr. Summers said that the odds of inflation falling to 2%, the official long-term target of the Federal Reserve, uh, without unemployment spiking above 4.5% is highly implausible. I'm just pausing to let that sink in for a minute. Highly implausible. Not very likely at all, guys. It's just... No. Unemployment is coming. Not this mamby-pamby, we don't have people in the workforce levels of employment, but full-blown unemployment when folks suddenly can't afford jack because inflation has went so far that they do eventually have to try to go back to work. Suddenly there's an influx of qualified people trying to take up what jobs are available, but a lot of the jobs that are available now will have went away by then because companies aren't going to be able to afford to pay employees and deal with all the other bottom line issues that are in their way because the dollars are slowing down and coming into businesses already. You're literally doing what is the picture-perfect idea plan if you're trying to destroy our economy, which is why I no longer apply the notion of incompetence to these people. It is their plan. There is no other explanation. You can't give them the benefit of the doubt on this anymore. And if you are, then I can't give you the benefit of the doubt of having the ability to think critically. I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. I really do. If you're a longtime listener to this show, you've heard me in my very Pollyanna moments where I've been, well, you know, there is still this possibility. And maybe this is, and, and what if it really is this and it just looks like... I played those games. I want to believe in Americans still believing in America. I don't want to believe that the Democratic Party, at least the office holders, are wholesale in the bag for the destruction of the company, and they're just hoping to enrich themselves on the way out during the managed decline of this once great nation. But here we are. The unemployment rate did increase for the first time in months to 3.7% back in August. Even as more Americans return to work, according to data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. And that's because, yes, there are more Americans finally returning to work, but there's going to be fewer and fewer jobs as money flow tightens up. It's the ridiculous, uncontrolled, unfettered spending of the federal government that is fueling our current economic malaise, and I'm being very, very polite in calling it a malaise because it's a freaking downright dumpster fire. It started turning into one on day one of the Biden administration when he shut down the XL, the Keystone XL pipeline project. That was the very beginnings of the inflationary cycle because a big part 
of what was helping to fuel the economy at that point. It certainly wasn't responsible spending by the federal government. That is one of the criticisms I've had from the beginning about Donald Trump. He got the economy booming, but he still didn't believe in putting the brakes on federal spending, at least not yet. And he was playing the art of the deal. He was trying to get more money to build up the military. I know what he was doing. And in a lot of ways, it made sense. And in a lot of ways, we had talked about it on the show with economic experts and people who knew him. And the, the, the general thinking at that point was that he would, in a second term, then begin starting to, to pare back the spending, the uncontrolled spending of the federal government, which in turn would make our economy even stronger. But we didn't get there, did we? For whatever reasons, wink, wink. So unemployment went up, the unemployment rate went up, and we're supposed to say, Oh, well, obviously we don't have to worry about it. Yes, you know, uh, the the people that are experts, they're on the job. Jerome Powell recently said at the Central Bank's annual symposium in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, quote, price stability is the responsibility of the Federal Reserve and serves as the bedrock of our economy. Without price stability, the economy does not work for anyone. In particular, without price stability, we will not achieve a sustained period of strong labor market conditions that benefit all. The burdens of high inflation fall heaviest on those who are least able to bear them. So, yeah. There's a little, maybe, maybe Jerome does know a little something. In theory, the question is, does he know how to correct it in practice? Because they are literally going the wrong route. They're attacking the supply of money to businesses. They're attacking the ability of businesses in order to maintain their operations at a reasonable an economic uh, operational fashion. I'm so flustered. I'm tripping over words. I apologize. But it's it's mind-numbing. It's no longer mind-boggling. It is mind-numbing that, again, I'm having to find myself on social media, the few platforms left where they haven't either banned me or shadow banned me or ratioed me down to the point that nobody freaking sees what I'm doing anyway. And those places are only because the lefties want to argue with me, and I'm having to have discussions with folks trying to explain the basic fundamentals of how economics work. When it comes to people who've never had to meet a payroll, there is so much difficulty in explaining how you have to be prepared for your expected budgetary issues. If you're in business, you know how much your payroll is. You know what your average utilities have been. You hope you don't see unexpected jumps there. You know over time your logistical expenses. You hope you don't see jumps there. 
You hope that you can continue to maintain your supply chains, both bringing you the items you need in order to conduct business and to get the items you have made or the services you have supplied to the consumers who will be paying you. We have seen failings and all that, and those failings are about to get even worse. We'll talk a little bit about a little bit more about that after the mid-hour break. So you guys don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. You're listening to Tap Into the Truth. So, Biden says MAGA Republicans are filled with rage and hate. Either Uncle Joe is just a dark, evil sort, or he don't know them and got that mixed up. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, being brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee, Uncle Joe Biden threatened parents recently by reminding us that the government has bigger guns. His recent red, black, and white backdrop for an unreal American speech was like a cross between a demented Darth Vader and a whacked-out Hitler. The real hater, Uncle Joe, declared U.S. sovereigns who simply desire to live in a nation governed by the principles enumerated in the Constitution and Federalist Papers. Heck, at this point, I would accept the Magna Carta. To brand good parents who desire to train up their children in the way that they should go so that when they're older they do not depart, to want to protect children from the ever-growing boldness of pedophilia practitioners is not hate, Uncle Joe. To want secure borders to protect our republic from being overrun by the teeming brutish hordes of illegal border crossers is not evil. Besides, we allow 1.5 million legal immigrants into the USA annually. To want a land of liberty, which means freedom with responsibility, is not hate. Oh no, Uncle Joe, but it is you and your ilk who hate those of us unwilling to live under your boot heel of oppression. I'm Ron Edwards. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. Here's the thing. People think that the President of the United States has the power for debt forgiveness. He does not. He can postpone. He can delay. But he does not have that power. That would that has to be an act of Congress. But the, the difference between the president, do, president can't do it. So that's not even a discussion. Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acetic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE20 promo code and you will receive a 20% discount. Remember, Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. 
Well, I, I do not view abortion as a uh, um, as a choice and a right. I think it's always a tragedy, and I think that uh, it should be uh, rare and safe. And I think we should be focusing on how to limit the number of abortions. Want to eighteen? Let me eat a bill bar. Let me eat a bill bar. I meant that. I'm not joking. No, I'm serious. This is not hyperbole. I'm not being facetious, and I mean it. Not a joke, for real. Not a joke. I mean it. I'm being serious. I'm being serious. But all kidding aside, for real. No, I'm not joking. Not a joke. I mean it. I'm a joker. I'm a smoker. I'm a midnight joker. I sure don't want to hurt no one. I keep forgetting I'm president. Don't take my definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for staying with me through that very brief break. I want to give a special shout out to Doug, the crazy Cajun, who just keeps coming up with some great bumper liners uh, here and uh, keeps sending a bunch of them to me. And uh, I, I can't thank him enough. I also want to give a shout out to my friend over at PatriotMusic.com, Mr. Matt Fitzgibbons. Uh, you guys know his work. Uh, if you listen to the show at all, you hear me always intro the the uh, beginning of each hour with I've Got to Be Free, which is uh, one of my favorites from him. And uh, I always try to end the second hour with using both hands, because I just think that is a perfect a uh, constitutional uh, song as well. And uh, you also hear usually when I'm ending the first hour uh, with uh, different in your eyes. 
which is a fantastic song. I do that a lot since I've been recording uh, the show uh, over at the Spreaker uh, Studio app. And uh, those are the three because uh, those are the best ones. Now, if you've listened to the BTR shows in the past, you've heard me uh, run a lot of Matt stuff. Uh, I actually got to talk to Matt a little bit earlier. He's got a brand new song out, uh, and uh, he's finishing up all the details. And you can find his work over at YouTube as well. And as always, I highly recommend you visit over at PatriotMusic.com, or you can look up Matt Fitzgibbons over at YouTube. But definitely wanted to uh, give a shout-out to him because I had a, a nice uh, time trying to get caught up with him just a little bit. But uh, his brand-new song, Give Me Liberty, uh, I will. I meant to reach out when we were talking earlier and ask him if uh, he would extend his permission to allow me to, to play that. But I'm also still trying to talk him into coming back on air and being a guest again. And, uh, you know, he's got stuff going on, but at some point, maybe we'll be able to get him on. He's a phenomenal historian. He's a great musician, as you can hear. And uh, generally speaking, he's just a really great guy, period. I, I really, really like Matt. And uh, I know that you guys would, too, if you uh, went and visited him over at PatriotMusic.com or uh, go look him up on YouTube. Although, I do need to talk him into moving over to Rumble. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, you did hear the ad for Built Bar uh, earlier. Rockapello rocking it out. I love those guys, actually. I've liked them uh, since I first heard them. And uh, good to see them selling out, uh, quite honestly. No, I make some money, guys. Uh, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a capitalist. I'm all for you doing that. There is a link in the show description, if you're listening to the podcast, that will take you to built and more importantly uh, by following that link they'll know i'm the one that sent you that's just a small ask on my part but if you're listening to the rebroadcast on terrestrial radio you don't have a show description in front of you do you well in that case if you don't mind too terribly much a little bit later when it makes sense when it's safe to do so uh, come visit me over at tapintothetruth.com that's t-a-p-p into the truth Dot com and uh, scroll down past the recent guest section on the uh, homepage, and you'll start seeing banners and buttons and things you can click. And uh, if you want to, there, uh, look up one of the built bar uh, banners, click on one of those, and that'll work just the same. That way, the win win that would exist ordinarily you know, you going to built bar, uh, getting a great product, and built getting a great new customer that's you, by the way. Uh, and it goes from that win-win scenario to adding an extra win into the whole thing because it won't affect your price any at all, won't change anything as far as you're concerned, but it will uh, allow you to help support this show and you know help support me by virtue of me getting that tiny little finder speed, you know, as being that in-between uh, guy. So it's kind of weird. It's factored into the prices, and it really it honestly won't change anything. And you can check it on your own sometime. If you don't believe me, you can go straight to uh, built.com and uh, look at the prices there. Then follow the link and look at the prices. You'll see no difference. Okay. It's just by using that link, yeah, help support the show. Uh, small ass, small ass. But if you are listening to the podcast, please, by all means, just go to the show description, click it, and then rock and roll. 
Uh, they've got some great new stuff. They brought the strawberry back uh, recently. They've got some great granola products, uh, just some new granola bars, uh, three or four different. And they've got a, a, a twin pack that you can buy two different flavors together. And, of course, they also have the new uh, promotion with BYU. And, you know, BYU is doing really good right now in football. Uh, congratulations, guys, on 2-0 and start. Uh, but you don't have to be a fan of the BYU program to be a fan of this great new built bar. It's uh, based on uh, maple donut bars uh, that were popular in the area, and they are quite tasty. I finally, finally got one in the other day, and man, oh man, it might be my new favorite. Which you know, be me, me being a fan of the University of Tennessee when it comes to uh, collegiate athletics. Uh, I have to keep it on the DL that I've got the BYU stuff coming in. Although, <laughs> I'm not ashamed of Utah. Don't get me wrong. I definitely not, knowing that uh, fine folks at Utah's Talk Authority are one of the primarily uh, larger listening audiences of the show, heavily supportive of everything you guys are doing out there, and I'm rooting for you all the time. Uh, but as far as the sports are concerned, i got to root for the home team, guys. Yeah, it's... it's We've not had a lot to cheer about here lately either. So uh, the last couple of seasons, we're really getting the program going in the right direction again. So, uh, you know, just don't fault me for rooting for the good guys in orange. That's what just what I'm going to do. Sorry. I wouldn't expect you, if you are a BYU fan, to be all, hey, UT's great. Uh, love you guys better than, uh, than our guys. No, I wouldn't expect that. All right. Anyway, let's get back to the show. I, I babbled on long enough. Uh, <laughs> maybe too long. Uh, here's the deal. We were talking about where they're intentionally doing things to wreck the economy. That's my contention. I think they've been doing the same things for far too long. They saw the economy was actually working well under the the previous guy. And that's the way they usually refer to John, uh, Donald John Trump. Uh, they also like using things like the orange man who's bad, uh, the kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, the climate arsonist, uh, among other things. I guess now he's the uh, MAGA king, and uh, he's also the leader of the insurrection. A couple more, uh, <laughs> a couple more uh, nicknames that the left has decided to bestow upon the man who continues to live rent-free in their heads. But, uh, alas, there's more potentially bad news, and it's potential because it hasn't happened yet. But four of the nation's largest railroad companies have already begun scaling back service ahead of the potential nationwide strike that could result in massive supply chain delays. You know, we still haven't worked out all of the supply chain kinks from the COVID shutdown. And now we've got this ongoing. You've got uh, BNSF, CSX, Norfolk Southern, and Union Pacific have all announced embargoes on selected shipments this week. This is, of course, ahead of negotiations with two of the nation's largest rail unions, the International Association of Sheet Metal, Air, Rail, and Transportation Workers, along with the Transportation Division, uh, and, of course, the Brotherhood of Locomotive Engineers and Trainmen. We've got till Friday 
boys and girls, to avoid a shutdown. They have to come to an agreement by Friday or there will be a strike. Quoting here, Although the rail industry has reached tentative agreements with 10 of the 12 unions involved in current negotiations, two holdouts have been unwilling to come to an agreement based on the recommendations of Joe Biden's Presidential Emergency Board. And this, of course, in a statement from Norfolk Southern. Now, in case you didn't know, Joe Biden actually did create a presidential emergency board and has been very much involved in the negotiations uh, since July, is my understanding. Possible, he may have uh, been involved a little earlier than that. But they knew this was coming. And don't, don't get it twisted. Don't think it's Joe Biden actually being proactive or Joe Biden actually being presidential for a change. It's all about the midterm elections, as far as they're concerned. But it still puts Joe in a very precarious location politically. His position is not the most enviable one because, number one, he wants to be pro-union. But he can't afford for there to be a strike, especially considering how poorly they have handled infrastructure issues since trying to reopen after the pandemic. They certainly can't afford inflationary issues as the costs will continue to skyrocket as fewer goods are available because they're not moving. And if you got any bright ideas about saying, well, just put everything on a truck, there's already a trucker shortage as is. And the amount the ridiculously large number of additional drivers you would have to add to cover the amount of product that's not going to be moved if rails aren't running, well, let's just say that that, too, is highly improbable, as we were quoting from an earlier story. Uh, back to quoting. Uh, still... Norfolk Southern. As a result, Norfolk Southern must now begin to prepare for the possibility of a strike at the conclusion of the current cooling-off period on September 16th. Most importantly, we must ensure that hazardous and other security-sensitive freight is properly secured so it is not left stranded in the event of a sudden strike. This is still just a statement from Norfolk Southern. The company plans to resume full operations if a strike is avoided, at least according to the company's statement. The Association of American Railroads released a report this month that expressed concern regarding the economic impact of freight railroad shutdowns uh, and what it would pose to the country. Quote, daily lost economic output due to a nationwide rail shutdown could be more than $2 billion. $2 billion daily, boys and girls, uh, every 24-hour period. Not just the parts you're awake for, but the parts you're taking a nap into. As you transition from one 24-hour period to the next 24-hour period, $2 billion can be lost in our economic output. And you know what? When you look at how few drivers are currently available for the, uh, the trucks that are moving freight across the country, 
I would be surprised if it's not more than that. That may actually be an extremely conservative estimate. We have to be able to move items and move products in order to maintain economic strength. I would think most folks would understand that, but some don't. Now, this lost output would, of course, harm manufacturers. It would harm distributors. It would cause great distress to retailers. And most importantly, it's going to be a problem for consumers. You see, it would mean increased fuel consumptions and greenhouse gas emissions, and it would have a strong negative impact on the nation's taxpayer-funded highway system. Uh, this is them assuming that you're going to be able to increase the number of trucks on the road. Now, in an emergency effort, they probably would try to put more people on it, and that brings us to the uh, unmentionable problem of what happens when you have a bunch of people driving big trucks that really shouldn't be driving big trucks. If you relax all of the requirements to become a, a rig driver, if you release and relax those restrictions to the point that, I don't know, I could get behind the wheel of one and you turn me loose trying to get freight across the country, I promise you, uh, if I survived the trip and all you guys survived the trip, I would pick it up pretty quickly. I think most people could, but if you haven't been doing it, you're not going to be somebody that can just be trusted to be turned loose with a set of keys for a big rig. It's not a good idea. Okay, so the White House held a meeting on Tuesday. That's time of the live broadcast in case uh, you're actually listening to it today. Uh, to review contingency plans regarding water and energy supplies if the railroad strike moves ahead. Joe Biden, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., barely there, Beijing Biden. See, he was also briefed on the issue Tuesday morning, at least according to the Washington Post. And I'm not sure if that means he knows about it or not. I'm not sure what actually passes as a Joe Biden briefing. Uh, it, it's hard to imagine, given that he was out there celebrating today the so-called Inflation Reduction Act, uh, as if it actually might reduce inflation, which even he has to know. That's not what this is going to do. I mean, shouldn't he know? Isn't there even the slightest chance that he knows this? I would hope so. Anyway... Uh, sorry, I was distracted momentarily. Anyway, uh, he was supposedly briefed. So uh, back in July, the Biden administration appointed an emergency board to address the dispute between the labor unions and the railroad companies. And all through, uh, sorry, although nine unions involved in the uh, negotiations have actually reached an agreement, two of the largest and a smaller union remain without a deal. So it's like, at this point, I can't help but wonder how many different unions are involved with our rail system. How many different unions are needed? Seriously, I mean, I'm not a big fan of labor unions. I've made that clear for a while. I think 
I think once upon a time in American history, they did serve a very good purpose. But I think most unions have moved well past their usefulness for the safety of the American public. Now, if you happen to be a member of a union somewhere and your union's an exception to that general rule, then good for you. Congratulations. And if you want to be part of a union, be part of a union. I just think for the most part, unions these days hold individuals back from being able to do the best that they can on their own and really does a lot more to protect people's positions who probably should not have a job. But, you know, again, that's most, it's not all, whatever. You like unions, then you do you, boo. That's all I can tell you. At any rate, part of the conflict that uh, is still at issue here, it revolves around uh, a points-based attendance system that was initiated by two of the largest railroad companies, BNSF and Union Pacific. More than 700 of the BNSF workers have reportedly quit since the launch of the policy back in February, uh, this according to the Post. Last month, the Biden administration also sought to intervene regarding pay raises. The Presidential Emergency Board proposed a 24% pay raise, gradually increasing until 2024. The AAR stated that the uh, recommended changes would result in more than $11,000 per employee on average, if ratified. That's a pretty good raise, guys. I, that might be a little bit more than what the companies can afford. I don't know if you thought about that or not. Maybe the only way to afford that is to cut a lot of you loose. So what good does it do with one of your union brothers to get that $11,000 a year if you're getting $0 a year because they couldn't keep all of you? It's just, just some random thoughts that maybe you should think about. Anyway, Biden's Presidential Emergency Board issued recommendations that should set the framework for a negotiated agreement between the railroads and the unions, uh, according to the AAR president and CEO, Ian Jeffries. This is something that he actually had said in a statement, by the way. Quoting uh, Ian at the moment, the recommendations would provide 24% compounded wage increases by 2024, with 14.1% of those increases effective immediately. That's still a big jump all at once, guys. That's a lot, especially for folks that are fairly well paid to begin with. Anyway, back to quoting, I apologize. Along with additional service recognition bonuses, totaling $5,000 over the course of the contract, an agreement based on these terms would lead to the largest general wage increase in nearly 40 years. Guys, there's a reason why those wage increases have slowed down. You're making pretty good money. Now, granted, everybody should want to make more, but generally speaking, you should be expecting to earn it, not negotiate it into being, if you know what I mean. Anyway, quoting again, while the Biden's PEB's recommendations markedly exceed the rail carrier's proposal, they provide a useful basis to reach a resolution. 
in the interest of all rail stakeholders, now is the time for railroads and their unions to reach a contract. All right, so I, I have to tell you, I'm immediately turned off by anybody using the term stakeholders. Uh, once upon a time, I was a stockholder in a couple of railroads. I have long since moved out of those positions, uh, not because they're not good positions to have, but right now I certainly want, wouldn't want to own stock in them because if you agree to any of this, you're going to be having such a big bite taken out of your backsides to try to appease these folks. Guys, guys, you do important work, and some of you, and I will emphasize the word some because some of you do not. You know who you are. And usually the folks that are going to be angriest about me saying this are the ones who are doing the least. But some of you are doing really hard work. It's, it's not an easy thing to make sure that the trains run on time. Uh, not speaking metaphorically here, but actually speaking literally. You guys do a great job generally, too. So are you worthy of raises? Then, yeah, I, I can't say that you're not. But you do also have to understand what the market can bear. If these companies are making enough money that they can afford to do this, then that's one thing. Uh, I would not expect anybody there to help from the government to have a realistic idea of what needs to happen in order to reach an agreement here either. It's just, it's nonsense. The scariest word you'll ever hear is I'm from the government and I'm here to help. That seems a ridiculously large phrase. I think you guys need to really, really set back and think about what it is you're asking for. The bottom line is regardless, if they go on strike, then we're all going to feel the pinch of inflation even harder. And if you're trying to run a business and you're dependent on supply chain, you are going to feel it even worse. All right, that's going to be it for the first hour, ladies and gentlemen. If you're listening to the podcast, don't go anywhere. Hour number two starts right after this. If you're listening on Terrestrial Radio, tune in again tomorrow at the same time to hear the second hour. And, uh, you know, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort, and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. And before I go, a little message for Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. This is Tim Tapp. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go, let's go, hey. let's go, let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. You know what they say, Let's go, From a blue state clan Taught to praise the little man Told that union saved the working class He was raised a red state son To love the flag and own a gun Warned about the greed within the mass They met beneath the moonlit sky A college party drunk and high And when they had degrees They said their vows he couldn't say when, he couldn't say how 
couldn't say why She was different in his eyes And had a kid Tried to live like their parents did But both their parties taxed them close to death They learned to hate the public schools Watch TV making fools While trial lawyers looted what was left She, she couldn't say when She couldn't say how She couldn't say why He was different in her eyes Saw them years ago A happy little cabin in the west They hope You're listening to Tap Into The Truth Hey Joe They say building back Make America great If that's a wave of the future All I've got to say Stick your progress Where the sun don't shine Keep your big mess Away from me and mine If you leave us alone Well, we'd all be just
the damn UN. Hello and welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever so humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you from historic Rome County, Tennessee. And this is the second hour of a live broadcast that took place on September the 13th, 2022. It is indeed Tuesday. However, there's a really good chance most of you are hearing this on a different day. Uh, if you're listening on the last frequency, it's a really good chance you're hearing this on Wednesday. If you're listening on terrestrial radio, a great radio stations across the country like KYAH 540 AM, Utah's Talk Authority, uh, there's a good chance you're hearing this particular hour on Thursday. And so on and so on. If you're listening to the podcast on any of the great places where you can hear the podcast available, well, then there's no telling when you're hearing this. I mean, maybe you're actually hearing it on Tuesday. Maybe you're hearing it a week from Tuesday. Maybe even two or three years into the future from now. It's like, hey, yeah, this was also another great show. That tap guy, he was phenomenal. How did we not know this superstar existed back when he was still alive? <laughs> uh, one can only hope. Uh, occasionally, my delusions of grandeur sneak out. I apologize. All right. Uh, glad to have you here, as always. Uh, back in the first hour, we were talking, of course, about economic woes and the potential uh, looming threat of a rail strike. And I continue to be amazed at how many different unions were involved in these negotiations and how most of them actually have deals that they're happy with now. But there's still two larger unions and one a smaller one uh, that are just hanging on, saying, no, no, uh, I think we would rather, you know, do crazy stuff. And... Uh, let's make inflation worse. And let's mess with the supply chain. They'll learn not to give us what we want. If you bankrupt the whole country, guys, nobody's going to be able to afford to pay you what you want. Just saying. All right, so like I said, this is the second hour, and in the second hour is when I usually uh, transition from topical news stories of the day to things that will uh, stand up a little bit longer, more of the culture uh, war stories. And man, oh man, have I got one I've got to start with right off the bat. Seems that we've got some GOP establishment leaders, using that name with air quotes and certainly very loosely, some of these so-called leaders, they're calling on the Senate to enshrine same-sex marriage. Yeah, i got to talk about that. You see, more than 400 current and former establishment GOP officials have signed a letter calling on U.S. lawmakers to enshrine the same-sex marriage bill working its way through the Senate as we speak, trying to make it the law of the land. Except there's a problem with that, and I'll get into that when I start commenting, but uh, let's stay with the article for now. seems that uh, <clears throat> the former Republican National Committee chairman and Bush re-election campaign manager Ken uh, Meltman, uh, he's leading the effort to gain support for this bill and has partnered with a new nonprofit group called Centerline Action. 
That's according to the Washington Post. We, quoting now, we call on the U.S. Senate to pass the Respect for Marriage Act and reaffirm that marriage for gay and lesbian couples is settled law. Except it's not settled law. There's no such thing as settled law. Settled law. Law is about as settled as science is. And I know the left has problems with that, but these guys are claiming not to be on the left. And again, Respect for Marriage Act, uh, obviously a law that's going to do the opposite of what its title claims. Because I think you're kind of being disrespectful of marriage on a couple of different points here. Now, if you happen to be a person of faith like myself, then you know that marriage is a spiritual thing anyway. The state, whether you're talking about individual states or you're talking about the federal government, I'm using the general term state as in any form of government. The state has no real power over actual marriage. What it's permitted to do is allow their own definition of who gets to constitute being in a civil union, which is a form of partnership under the law. Now, that's a legal way of defining what a marriage might look like in the courts. But marriage is way more than that. And if you're going to respect marriage, then I would say government gets out of it completely. They stop even trying to license it and trying to force people into the rules, whatever. Marriage is mar what marriage is. But I also tend to believe that every individual state has the right to determine what they are going to recognize as the qualifications for that civil union. Therefore, it's a state's issue, not a federal issue. So there's no place for the federal government to pass a law like this anyway. And if you want to talk about what is and isn't settled law, gee, guys, for the longest time, there was settled law in this country that I don't think any of us would like to see returned to law, that a lot of us were very happy with when it was overturned. Uh, I'm just going to throw one big example out. How about slavery? You know, that was the law for a very long time. And while it was allowed by the federal government, a lot of states were even stricter. And uh, just FYI, just from a historical standpoint, in the earliest days of the country, it wasn't even necessarily those southern states that had the worst laws. Just, just uh, something to chew on. And I, I dare you to go see for yourself. But man, oh man, just reading that part of the letter itself, it, it really puts me at dis-ease. It disquiets me. <laughs> anyway, the letter states that passing the Respect for Marriage Act would, quote, remove any uncertainty for the more than one million Americans who are building families, taking on the responsibilities and commitment associated with marriage, and caring for the one they love. Now, <sighs> it's pretty language, very poetic, but is that really what's happening in these cases? I mean, this, the, the very fact that they talked about taking on the responsibilities. Uh, yeah, there's a good number of folks that are doing it, but right now, our society is doing everything it can to remove the idea and notion of personal responsibility 
from every potential application that it should exist in. So to hear these folks talk like this, it makes me wonder if they even know what country they're in at the moment. Again, these are supposed to be conservatives, though. Well, I mean, at least they're Republicans. As we well know, not all Republicans are actually conservatives. But anyway, it would not create uncertainty in these people's lives if suddenly the issue went back to the states. It does mean that some of them might have to move. But uh, I don't know that anybody's even actively trying to to change the idea of same-sex marriage at this point. Is there anybody? I mean, I personally would still like to see it return to the states. And I suppose it's possible that the citizens of some states might decide that they would like to. I don't know there would be enough of them to actually affect that change at this point. I mean, the attitude towards it has changed drastically. But I still have to kind of find, and I've said this before, I don't have a problem with same-sex marriage. I, For the very reasons I said at the top. I still get a lot of flack from uh, some of the more hardcore conservatives. And I get a lot of flack from some of my fellow Christians because, you know, this is an abomination. Well, yeah, I, I understand from the standpoint of the church what you're saying. But at the end of the day, I still come down on the it's not my place to judge. And I do still believe that civil unions are a form of contract law, and that's a state issue. And that's where I come down on why the federal government doesn't have a dog in the fight. And it was a stretch, and it was trickery that got any judge to sit back and say, well, okay, maybe under the equal treatment under the law, mumbo-jumbo. And trust me, uh, if it was a lefty, they said mumbo-jumbo because they don't believe in equal treatment under the law, not by a long shot. Just ask the orange man who's bad, the kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, the climate arsonist, the MAGA king, and the leader of the insurrection. Just ask that guy. I mean, in fact, don't ask him. Just sit back and look at what's happening. <laughs> that, that tells you all you need to know about their belief in due process and equal treatment under the law. But you see, the one thing that nobody wants to talk about, the nasty little secret about equal treatment under the law, is what does the law say? The law says a man cannot marry a man. Okay, well then equal treatment under the law means that a straight man cannot marry a man. A gay man cannot marry a man. A bi man cannot marry a man. That is equal treatment under the law. Oh, but you see, a straight man wouldn't want to. That, that's not really what's at issue. And if you take a look at how a lot of laws are written, lots of laws have been written involving things that nobody would want to do anyway. But they still build the necessity of passing the law, you know, so they can say they did something. Back to quoting here. As Republicans and conservatives, we believe strong families and lasting relationships strengthen communities, and civil marriage is a fundamental freedom central to individual liberty and the pursuit of happiness. 
And actually, I kind of agree with that sentiment, which again is why I think government has no role involved in that at all. When it comes to true marriage, it's between you, the other person, and the Almighty. Not a lot of room for the local judge, the justice of the peace, county executive, governor of the state, ship's captain. Not a lot of room for these folks to have much say in it. Anyway, the letter comes a week after the Senate Majority Leader, Chucky Boy Schumer, vowed to hold a vote to codify same-sex marriage ahead of the midterm elections in November. So, again, uh, Chucky uh, was just acknowledging that it's more midterm election theatrics in the hopes that you'll forget how terribly inept and horrible the Democrats actually are at doing their job. And man, oh man, if you've been paying attention, you know they are terrible at doing their jobs. In fact, they don't even like to do the job. They like the money. They like the prestige. They like being in front of the cameras and microphones. But when it comes to actually, you know, holding votes and passing laws and legislating uh, to do the business of the people, they're not so good at that these days. They, they kind of like for the president to just create new authority and, and do all that stuff so that they don't have to be accountable come re-election time. They also don't like solving any issues because they like, they feel like they need issues to run on. And they also feel like, and this part, probably true, to be honest, but the American people in general, they tend to forget quickly about a problem and who fixed the problem if the problem actually gets fixed. That's led to the type of very bad negative reinforcement where these folks now think that they're not really under any obligation to try and solve a problem. They just like pointing out that the problem exists and then making promises, knowing that you no longer expect them to keep those promises. So, yeah, I think we're going to have to point the fingers at, at ourselves on that one. But anyway, Chucky making promises for political theater to try and help distract you as you go to the polls. Now, the Respect for Marriage Act and the House of Representatives have already passed their version, uh, a 267 to 157 vote last month, with 47 House Republicans voting in favor of the bill. I guess that's enough. You can actually call it bipartisan. Uh, now, Senate Democrats are working to garner 10 GOP votes. That'd be enough to clear the 60-vote filibuster threshold and to move it off the uh, Senate floor and onto Joe Biden's desk. Biden has signaled that he would sign the legislation. And of course he's signaled. I mean, he, he likes to virtue signal as much as anybody else. Here's the thing, though. So far, three Senate Republicans have told reporters that they would likely vote yes on the bill. Uh, none of the names would be too surprising to you. You got Susan Collins, you got Rob Portman, and you got uh, uh, Throm Tills. Uh, Tillis. Sorry. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Throm Tillis, Rob Portman, and Susan Collins. 
They've all told reporters that, yes, we're likely going to vote. Nine have marked themselves as potential backers. This according to The Hill. Collins has teamed up with Senator Tammy Baldwin to sway enough votes from across the aisle, but has received pushback from Senate Republicans citing religious liberty and conscious, uh, conscious, conscious protection concerns. Uh, it was interesting. I saw a report from the Daily Wire the other day. Uh, Senator Ted Cruz said that he would vote against the bill with concerns about religious liberties. He said that it would create more chaos for the courts to disrupt same-sex marriage, adding that without protection for such freedoms, it could have massive consequences in several institutions across the nation. So, yeah, I'm not sure that that's the best argument, the way he laid it out. Because, yeah, I do think it would create a lot of chaos. But are we really talking about the disruption of same-sex marriages causing it or all of the attempts to, to diminish religious freedom? Not to mention the fact that states' rights is an issue that this current makeup of the Supreme Court seems to actually legitimately be wanting to push forward. We saw it when they ended Roe v. Wade, which, of course, was created in a horrific fashion that just doesn't make sense from a Judas per uh, from Sorry, had the uh, had an uncontrollable cough <laughs> sneak up on me. Anyway, I was saying it uh, doesn't make sense from a judicial standpoint to even be involved uh, in something that would diminish states' rights. If you actually believe in the Constitution, you believe the states should have more authority than the federal government when it comes to things that deal with the people more directly. And there's a reason why you should feel that way, and it's something that makes a lot of sense if you just spend a little time thinking critically about how liberty exists, how the government that we have formed at each level is supposed to govern through the consent of the governed. We are the sovereigns of this nation. We have no kings and queens here. We have ourselves, our interests, and the interests of our families, our friends, our neighbors, our communities. We get to organize that in the way we choose. We then elect individuals at each level of government that we permit who are supposed to conduct the business of government on our behalf. They are supposed to be representatives of us. And yes, sometimes that means you're going to have a representative because you don't get to vote besides yourself unless you run for the office and become that representative. You also have several other folks that voted to elect these people and maybe you're the minority in your community, in your voting district, in your block, wherever it may be. 
And that just means you have to work harder to either convince more of your friends, neighbors, and families to agree with you, or you need to go find a community where you're not the minority. That's how liberty works, because you're free to do so. But this this notion here, and part of it's the panic because Justice Thomas made it very clear that stuff like this was based on bad law, bad legal philosophy, and based on the idea that the federal government should have its thumb in every pie instead of appropriately knowing when to say, that's not our playing field. This isn't our game. This issue belongs to the states. We understood that in the beginning. They were fighting the battle of abortion at the state level before Roe v. Wade. And that's where that should be done now. States should be free to do what they want. They're representative of the people of those states. And if the majority of the people of the state wants the type of restrictions that Alabama is going to put in place, then the people of Alabama are getting what they want. And if you live in Alabama and you disagree, then maybe you need to move to Illinois. Or maybe you need to move to California. Some place where you know they're going to be more likely to agree with whatever it is that you're selling. How do you feel about the issue? Same-sex marriage was another one of those issues. It wasn't, I mean, when you think about it historically, not that long ago that same-sex marriage was simply not something that was legal at all in this country. In fact, as silly as it seems now, lots of places actually had laws against it. Most of that came from a viewpoint of religion. It is not very well received in most religions, and certainly doesn't seem to align with the biological imperative. But people are people, and it's not my place to judge people. I get to judge the actions and policies of so-called elected officials because they're supposed to be doing the people's business, and so few of them are. So I will criticize and critique and and give a thumbs up when it's due. In fact, I've occasionally been forced to say nice things about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I've occasionally been forced to say bad things about Donald John Trump and, and George W. Bush. I've occasionally had to say a nice thing about Barack Hussein al-Awakbar Obama, although I don't remember very many of those. I, I think I did say that he does, at the very least, seem to be uh, dedicated to family, just not necessarily his immediate family. <laughs> you know, it's some folks it's hard to talk nice about. I've yet to figure out a nice thing to say about Joe Biden. I think the nicest thing that I've been able to say is back in his uh, I am the new emperor speech uh, the other day was the fact that at least he did refer to our country as a republic on three separate occasions. Uh, after that, he talked a lot about democracy, 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 and, uh, oh yeah, he said this a lot too. Not a joke. Not a joke. And that wasn't hyperbole. 
I meant that. I'm not joking. No, I'm serious. This is not hyperbole. I'm not being facetious. And I mean it. Not a joke. For real. Not a joke. I mean it. I'm being serious. I'm being serious. Put all kidding aside. For real. No, I'm not joking. Not a joke. I mean it. I really mean it. I mean this. I'm not being solicitous. Not a joke. So I'm not being solicitous either. Here's something that is not a joke. When conservatives are trying to convince you, when Republicans are trying to get you to put political pressure on your elected officials to pass a law that's technically unconstitutional, then regardless of the reason why, there's an issue. And you need to seriously question these folks' real agenda. It's that simple. It's discernment, ladies and gentlemen. That's something that I have been preaching a little more here recently. Something that we need to increase across the board. Discernment. You need to be able to start saying, uh, start saying the serenity prayer. You need to start asking for uh, the strength to change the things you can. You need to start asking for uh, the patience for the things that you can't. And you need to pray for the discernment, for the wisdom to tell the difference. Anyway, Cruz further noted in his little statement that GOP members are pushing for an amendment to the bill that would ensure such protections, meaning they're actually okay with passing a federal law codifying same-sex marriage, even though it's not a federal issue, as long as nobody's going to use the law to go after, you know, a photographer who happens to be a uh, devout Christian and doesn't want to take pictures at a same-sex wedding, or a cake baker who doesn't want to make a wedding cake for a same-sex wedding. You know, those kind of protections. Which, if if they're going to pass this, and who knows how long it would take before it could be challenged, and who knows what the Supreme Court's going to look like by the time it would get there, uh, maybe getting those amendments put in place would at the very least be some type of a victory, but how about you just fight against it in the first place because it doesn't belong in the federal level. It's just, it's not a federal issue. And just because you get the Supreme Court a few years back to wrongly decide that, well, it can be, doesn't make it so. That's why it's not settled law. Anyway, according to the nonprofit, more than 71% of Americans and most registered Republicans support same-sex marriages. Well, normally they do so on an individual basis. People that they know. It's like, oh, well, those guys are great. But as a general rule of thumb, not quite as much as you might want to make this out to be. The Georgia Log Cabin, a pro-LGBT Republican organization, said in a tweet that it believes in strong families and lasting relationships, strengthening communities while reducing dependence on the government. And again, that's true. And again, I don't have a problem with same-sex marriage. 
<laughs> that's what you guys want to do, do it. Marry who you want in a state where it's legal to do so. Again, my issue here is it's not a federal issue. And we shouldn't make it one. Pennsylvania Senate candidate Dr. Oz also said in a tweet that he's proud to join in this effort. Well, of course he is. <laughs> Quoting Dr. Oz here, I believe that same-sex couples should have the same freedom to get married as straight couples. Pretty sure at the moment there's not any places where they don't. U.S. News reported other GOP officials who have pinned their names on the letter include Massachusetts Governor Charlie Baker and Colorado Senate nominee Joe O'Dea. Former White House officials under Donald Trump, like Alyssa Griffin, the former White House Director of Strategic Communications, David Urban, former, um, former senior advisor, Mike DeBook, and former White House Communications Director, Toby Fabrizio. Sorry, Toby, I'm butchering your last name. And Fabrazio, I think is actually it. And I'm probably still getting it wrong. Toby, I'm sorry. Sometimes my East Tennessee tongue does not make good sounds. Doc good, not so much. <laughs> anyway, all these folks have signed their support for the bill. Uh, presumably, a full list of names is going to be released to the public on Wednesday. So, by the time a lot of you hear this broadcast, that information is already going to be out. You may be talking about this before you get to hear me talking about it. But I'm still going to circle back around to the fact that in the culture war, nobody's at war with the gay community. Nobody. What we're at war with is this notion, this idea that you should force all types of things onto children. Uh, that's a no-go, should be a no-go. And most of the people that I happen to be personally interacting with on a semi-regular basis who just so happen to be of the gay or lesbian persuasion, they tend to agree with that premise. Not big on the pride parades where certain people get out and just do the craziest, freakiest thing they can think of. Uh, acting like complete and total jerkish morons in public. Uh, dude, there's a difference between being out of the closet and needing to get back into the closet so you can finish getting dressed, okay? Uh, a big difference. So where are we at with this? What does this really mean? Okay, we want to enshrine same-sex marriage. Well, dude, seriously. Start doing the work at the state level again. I mean, right now, that's not even an issue anyway. But the problem is there are no laws. There is just a Supreme Court ruling that says, well, now it's okay everywhere. You have to do it. You literally have the uh, celebrity death match judge sitting back saying, I'll allow it. Because <laughs> that's, that's all that they did. There are no laws. So you want to pass a law? How about you pass the laws at the state level so that we don't have to have this discussion? Okay, that should be the deal. I mean, I don't make me do my Jerry Seinfeld impersonation. It's not a very good one. But if you do, I'm going to be sitting here trying to say, 
what's the deal with all these people getting married because the federal government said it's okay? Now, what is that deal? I told you it was a bad one. Anyway, uh, let's take that mid-hour break before it gets any later. I need to change the subject anyway. Don't go anywhere. I will be right back. My name's Joe Biden. All men and women created by the go. You know the you know the thing. <laughs> Joe Brandon, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he has made clear that. Uh, 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 well, I no, no. I promise you. The president has a big stick. I keep forgetting I'm president. I am convinced some rhino Republicans hate President Trump so much that they will either lie or stretch the truth to our nation's peril. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, being brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. When I first met former Attorney General Bill Barr in the lobby of the then Trump Hotel in Washington, D.C. during the autumn of 2019, I remember mentioning to a few folks that I did not trust Mr. Barr. I thought that underneath that seemingly conservative exterior, that like VP Mike Pence, Barr would turn out to be someone that did not have Trump's or America's best interest at heart. Just recently, Big Barr stated that none of the documents should have been removed. So I guess those details about Hunter Biden should not have been touched while the rhino Democrat machine works feverishly to literally destroy our exceptional nation way of life. Liberal Republican Karl Rove seconded Bill Barr's emotion on Fox News, which, with the exception of Tucker Carlson, Greg Gutfeld, Judge Jeanine, and a few others, is becoming more like CNN or any other Trump-hating media outlet. What I find equally troubling is how Republicans like Donald Trump, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Byron Douglas are not properly supported. Any Republican who would rather not go after those trying to kill our republic must be voted out and kept out. What say you? I'm Ron Edwards. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. What in the hell's diversity? <clears throat> well, I, I could be wrong. But I believe uh, diversity is an old, old wooden ship that was used during the Civil War era. My name's Joe Biden. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. MAGA forces are determined to take this country backwards. Backwards to an America where there is no right to choose, no right to privacy, no right to contraception, no right to marry who you love. I'm cuckoo, I'm cuckoo, I'm cuckoo, I'm cuckoo. Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acetic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. 
Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds Coffee Display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE20 promo code and you will receive a 20% discount. Remember, Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. I'm Ron Edwards, host of the Edwards Notebook, and you're listening to Tim Tap and Tap into the Truth. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, that is true. There is no place I would rather be. Let me be here on the front lines as we try to fight back the tyranny that's being forced down our throats, as we try to prevent tyranny and fascism from taking hold, as the leftists continue to call us the fascists, and yet they're the one that continues to practice fascism in every possible way. And every time you run into somebody who wants to tell you anything any differently, hold up the receipts. There's plenty of them. All right, before we get back into the action and talk about this final uh, story of the evening, I want to remind you folks that recently created a brand new relationship with Patriot Depot. And I'm going to put a link in the show description today that will connect you with a gorgeous, just absolutely gorgeous drinking vessel. And uh, let me tell you a little bit about it because I got to ask you, starting by asking you a question, what is the most significant and critical element that makes America such an exceptional nation? Okay, don't hurt yourself, guys. <laughs> I actually heard a lot of you in the back give me the right answer, and, and uh, you guys were correct. It is we the people. I got a very beautiful uh, drinking vessel here that's a welcome reminder of that critical reality. We take it for granted, and we we just keep forgetting that it's we the people that makes a difference. So... Keep that message as fresh as your drink by holding it in your hand and pondering it with each taste. Got this beautiful pint glass. Uh, it holds 10 fluid ounces uh, very well as far as if you, have, uh, if you have ice in it, 16 ounces otherwise. It has uh, the ink on it that is permanent and it's heat set. It will not fade or wash off it is dishwasher safe but they still recommend hand drying it <clears throat> it is made and printed in the usa this bad boy is awesome if you are listening on btr you will see a picture of it in the slideshow if <clears throat> you're listening anywhere else Please feel free to visit my social media pages where uh, you will, if you scroll down my page, wherever you go, you will see this, whether you're on Facebook, Twitter, Parler, uh, Truth Social, uh, Gab, uh, Spreely. Uh, I don't have it up on mine. 
Uh, I don't think I put it up on LinkedIn. I try not to do too much of the promotional stuff on uh, those. Uh, I'll put the shows there, but uh, not stuff like that. Let's see where else. Uh, Getter. Yes, it's there. Um, I haven't put it up on Locals either. Which reminds me, if you guys haven't uh, slid on over to Locals to join the Tap into the Truth community yet, come on, guys. Do want to welcome uh, folks that have started signing up. A big thank you. I'll uh, give a specialized thank you in the next broadcast. I had meant to do that for this one, but then uh, uh, time got away from me, so I don't have that right in front of me. But uh, uh, thanks for joining, and I hope more of you will follow. Anyway, uh, just follow the link in the uh, show description. It will take you to Patriot Depot. It'll take you to the page with this just awesome pint glass. It is absolutely wonderful. It starts out with We the People and has printing from the Constitution. I just, U.S. Constitution pint glass is phenomenal. It's it's $18.95 for one. There are discounts for volume buying, that's my understanding. But uh, it's just really cool stuff. If you're a patriot, you got to have this. And uh, if you have some uh, friends over wanting to share in those adult libations, it might be the only time you get to expose some of your friends to the Constitution. So, uh, you know, be sneaky and help more people become patriotic. <laughs> uh, let's go with that. It sounds like a good thing. All right, ladies and gentlemen, final story of the day. A university student in Mexico is facing the loss of his license to practice psychology over a speech that he gave at the school's valedictorian challenging racial gender theory and defending the traditional family. This according to legal nonprofit Alliance Defending Freedom International. So you caught that, right? He gave a speech as the valedictorian of the school, basically saying that radical gender theory has no place in psychology and the traditional family does have its merits. And for that, they want to take away his license to practice? The Autonomous University of Baja, California, is expected to make a judgment in September on Christian Cortez Perez's future following calls from some of the school's professors to have the graduate's academic degree and professional license withheld, this according to a press release from the legal group. I, I gotta stop for a second there. This guy is not only already a graduate, he was the valedictorian. He was the best guy in his class. He far, well, I don't know how far, but he still surpassed literally everyone else in his class. You know, class that's in freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. Yeah, just in case a lefty's listening and not in it. Well, so what if he's just the smartest guy in his classroom? That's not what we're saying. He was the top guy. Got the best grades. Now, if you believe in credentials, there's a really good chance that that would make this guy the most qualified person to do the job. 
Now, I don't have quite as much faith in credentials, but given what the guy had to say during this valedictorian speech, I tend to think maybe, maybe this guy should be running the whole profession. I, I can hear some leftists in the back snickering right about now, too. Oh, he completely missed the fact that this guy's got a totally Hispanic name. Stupid Republican doesn't even know he's supposed to be being racist right now. I'm not racist, you worthless piece of crap. <laughs> Most conservatives aren't, you dim-witted wet blanket for brains. Wow, I'm, I'm being saltier than usual. I don't know, why am I being so mean? Anyway, uh, stories like this make me mad. That's part of why I'm being so mean, for, for Christ's sakes. Listen to me, I, I'm actually, I'm being really mean now. I better slow down. This guy has already done the work. He's already proven himself. And because he gives this one speech, some professors think they shouldn't be allowed to, to be licensed, shouldn't be allowed to do the job. What are they smoking down there? I just, I can't, I can't help it. I, I have to just, uh, I have to just move on at this point or I'm not going to get any further. But they really want to, they want to take away his degree and they don't want to allow him to get this professional license. That, Ah, anyway, uh, quoting here from uh, Perez. Today, we are deep into a real anthropological struggle to redefine the human being, the human person, man, through the implementation of ideologies and fashions of thought that always end up undermining dignity and freedom. This is part of his valedictorian speech, by the way. He gave it in Spanish, so I'm obviously reading an English translation. He also quoted G.K. Chesterton on the destruction of the family, telling his peers, quote, People do not know what they are doing because they do not know what they are undoing. To attack life and the family is to self-destruct. It is an attack on civilization itself. This guy's good. Now, since the speech, Cortez Perez has allegedly been the subject of a silencing and sanctioning campaign initiated by some of the school's professors. Professors issued a manifesto calling on the university to sanction the graduate for hate speech. ADF uh, said, uh, noting that the educators are calling for uh, Cortez Perez's academic degree and professional license to be withheld. His merit award withdrawn and the the psychology associations across Mexico to be alerted about his speech. Oh, he said some scary things that we don't like and we've got to stop him. We can't let him work anywhere. We must cancel him. 
Now, here's the way the story should be. Some professors came out of their cry closets long enough to melt like the snowflakes they are, and the university immediately moved to fire them, despite them having tenure. That should be the way this story is going. Because you are not allowed to, after the fact, punish someone when they've done the work, they've put in the time, they've done exactly what they were supposed to do, and they excelled. And then they just said a couple of things that you just don't like. That just bother you based on your political viewpoint and the notions that actually by you holding them, professors, perhaps you are in need of some professional assistance of the psychological variety yourself. Because to think that these statements should be so controversial that he's not even allowed to work in his chosen uh, path. That's extremist. That, I dare say, is fascist. Of course, it's in Mexico, so uh, none of the lefties here care. It's not like they're going to let him come to America to practice psychology, not giving a speech like that. Sheesh. Now, these demands were presented to the University Council, and... Cortez Perez was subsequently informed on August 4th, quote, that the university has initiated proceedings against him and has submitted a counterclaim to protect his rightful interest. The, the university has initiated proceedings against him. Why would you do that? I mean, seriously, why? You have one job, university. One job. And I know it's been a long time since the university seemed to understand this, but you literally have one job. And this guy's jumped through all your hoops. He's done all the things you wanted him to do, except he just wasn't woke enough for his valedictorian speech. Cortez Perez said in a statement, quote, I exercise my fundamental right to free speech to address my classmates about what I believe are the most pressing issues of our time. Now, I stand to lose my entire professional career because I expressed views with which some students and faculty disagree. And that's it. Some. Not many. Not most. Not a majority. Some. A few. They're just the freaking squeaky wheels is all. You know, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. I think we're quickly getting to that point in public life where the squeaky wheel needs to get a sock in the mouth. Bang, bang. And no, I'm not advocating violence, although it kind of sounds that way. Sometimes, uh, I'm speaking metaphorically, of course, sometimes you need a kick in the gut. Metaphorically, sometimes you need to face the reality that your feelings are not the determining factor of reality. Your feelings are not the determining factor of how other people are going to choose to live their lives. And you should not expect that to be the case. You want to run around talking about white privilege. Well, I'm going to say there's 
leftist snowflake privilege because you guys are the ones that, despite being the smallest minority of people on the freaking planet, you're the ones that keep expecting everybody to change how they're living and how they talk to one another and how they write to one another and how they communicate with one another, all based on your feelings. Just go back to your cry closet. Reality doesn't give a flying flip about your feelings. The fact that you managed to become a professor, how did you get there? Oh yeah, you did the work. This guy's done the work. Respect that or expect no one to respect you. Of course, the fact that you're willing to try to do this means that probably nobody should respect you anyway. Anyway, back to quoting this man who did phenomenal work and is now being penalized for giving a really good speech. Quote, public universities must respect the free speech rights of all students, and I am committed to obtaining justice, not just for myself, but for all Mexicans interested in preserving the right to freely express themselves for exercising his basic human rights and expressing views shared by many, Christian faces irreparable reputational damage and a ban on his professional practice, threatening all that he has worked for his career. This, according to the individual who was working directly for him as legal counsel, uh, at ADF International. She continued by saying, if the campaign to punish Christian is successful, it shows that anyone who dares to speak in public in Mexico is in danger. This is a clear violation of international human rights laws. Reminiscent of dictatorships, not democracies. A judgment on Cortez Perez's future is expected sometime this month. I wanted to bring you this story because this is literally an example. It's going on just south of our border. But this is a guy who's literally done everything the way you're supposed to do it and he still happens to be conservative, or at least appears to be, when it comes to the family. It's absurd. It's wrong. It's dictatorial. It's fascist. And it's everywhere. Don't let it be. Speak up, guys. There are way more of us than there are of them, and if we just stand together, speak up, and stop being afraid of the cancel culture, then they can't cancel us. That's got to be it for today, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so very much for being here. As always, don't take my word for it. Definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort. Most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. And uh, hey, by the way, Joe, this is Tim Tapp. Let's go, Brandon. Hey.
say gun control is using both hands. Founders knew the Second Amendment was the final one to keep. To hold our other rights intact so we'd never become sheep. Is using both hands. Well, I prefer the 308 to the tiny 223. Gives me more than a thousand yards to protect my family. using both hands not a joke not a joke and that wasn't hyperbole i meant that i'm not joking no i'm serious this is not hyperbole and i'm not being facetious and i mean it not a joke for real not a joke i mean it i'm being serious I'm being serious. But all kidding aside, for real. No, I'm not joking. Not a joke. I mean it. I really mean it. I mean this. I'm not being solicitous. Not a joke.